Let us quieten our hearts and seek the Lord. Let us uh, try and process the day that this is and the blessings that we have bestowed from it. For we have bestowed everything that we have from the risen, living, exalted Christ. Our Father, surely in humiliation and adoration we fall at thy feet of the blessed Son of God this morning. In spite of him being tortured and and stripped and beaten and slain at the hands of wicked men, in spite of being betrayed and denied, forsaken by God even himself, We thank thee, our Father God. Peter, I know that first sermon in Acts chapter 2, where he said, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible to hold him. Father, we want to praise you this morning for a risen, living Saviour. Want to praise you, Lord, that they couldn't hold them down. And they couldn't hold them in. And they couldn't hold them back. And they couldn't hold them out, for when he came to the room, the doors were barred. We thank thee for the Almighty God, the Almighty Savior this morning. Peter could further say in that first sermon, This Jesus has God raised up. Whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore he's at the right hand of God, exalted on high. We come, Lord Father, this God's Father this morning, and we take authority, Lord, over every spirit of darkness, over every spirit of heaviness, over every spirit of lies, accusations, and everything else that would come against the people of God this morning. For the enemy would want, Lord, our God, to take the praise out of this meeting. But we're not going to let it happen, Father. We're going to exalt the name of Jesus today. We're going to call on that great name today to come. And, Father, to breathe and move upon us even as we gather this morning in this house. We thank thee, Lord, O God, for the assurance that we have If we never had another word, if we never had a scripture, if we never had anything, we know within our hearts we have a living Savior. So, Lord, I pray, Father God, this morning that Thou, our Father, would help us to realize what we have in Christ today. And while others vilify Him, we will glorify Him, and we will exalt Him, and we will make much of Him today. And we praise You that He's alive forevermore. And Father, we just ask this morning, our God, that we would live in the good, Lord, of this day. Our Father, after all the beatings and the hammerings and the scourgings and the writings off and everything else, we praise you that there's a Savior. There's a God, there's a Savior at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for us this morning and coming again in the clouds of glory. Glory to God, we're not orphans this morning. Glory to God, we're not forsaken this morning. Glory to God, we're not of all men most miserable this morning. Praise God this morning. We have a hope that beats within our breast. And we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for if we don't, the very stones in this building will cry out to give praise to the exalted, glorified Son of God this morning. So, Lord, here we are before thee, giving you thanks and praise. And we ask, Lord, this morning and pray for those who cannot be with us this morning because they're shut in, Lord, would love to be here. And there are many of them. We cry to thee, Lord, that you will be near to them. Remember the sick this morning. Remember those that are depressed and defeated, Lord, along the road of life this morning. So many illnesses, so many sicknesses, so many people that need a touch of God. We pray, Lord, that you'll come. Remember, Lord, Freddie Reed this morning. 
Remember Holly. Remember Joshua. Remember Brother Alan this morning. Remember others, Lord. There's so many. Oh God, we pray, Lord, that would love to be some of them in the house of God. And we pray that you will touch them and minister to them. We pray for those who are away this morning. We pray that you'll bless those young families as they travel and wherever they might be. Keep your hand upon them, Father, our God. And others that are away this week, we pray, Lord, that your governing, sovereign, almighty hand will rest upon them. So we come to thee this morning with thanksgiving. We come to thee with praise. We come, Lord, seeking your help, Lord. I need your help this morning. Who is sufficient for these things? We cannot handle these precious truths, Lord. We cannot, O oh God, bring them across to the people. Help us, O oh Father, we pray thee, to make much of Jesus this morning. Help us, Lord, to make much of the word of the living God this morning and speak into our hearts, Lord. Let us be open to the Holy Spirit and the movings of God upon us even today. We pray, Lord, as the word is read, we pray as it's preached, Father, our God, that there'll be a sense of God and an awesome presence of God in this house this morning, that we will rejoice in the Lord and be glad that our Redeemer has come to Zion. And so, Father, here we're gathered. And so we ask, Lord, you know the need in the homes. You know the need in the families. You know the trials, Lord. You know the troubles, Lord. You know what people have been coming from in the week that has gone. Father, uh, Lord, it's uh, a struggle and a battle all the way at times for we have an enemy that hates the word and hates the people of God. Help us to shine bright in these days for Jesus and stand still in this wicked and, and ungodly hour. We pray again for the nation of Ukraine this morning and pray, Lord, that you'll bless the president. Keep your hand upon them men, Lord, and those that rule and lead over that land, Lord. We thank thee that we can see the hand of God working in mighty ways in this battle and we believe that it's going to come out for the glory and for the good of God at the end of the day. We take authority over the, uh, over the wicked men, Lord. We take authority in Jesus' name over those, Lord, who would dictate and try to invade and to Lord, we bless thee that thou hast put them down before. They're only leaves in the wind of God, and you will blow them as you've blown them before, O God, to your will and to your good, for thou art sovereign in all things. Lord, hear our cry this morning. Remember our land this morning in these days, how we need a breathe, a breath of God, how we need the work of the Spirit of God to sweep across the land of Ireland, Lord. We're hungry for revival, Lord. We're thirsty for revival. We're not content with things the way they are. Lord, there's so many young Christians out there this morning and they're not content, Lord, to play in church any longer. We want reality, Lord. We want the power of God to come upon us, Lord. We want to see things happening, Lord. We're hearing about things in the past, hundreds of years ago. We need to hear of something now, something real today. Lord, you're alive and you're just the same God as you were a hundred years ago or fifty years ago. Moody or Spurgeon or none of these men had any bigger Bibles than we have, that no greater men over the Holy Spirit than we have. Lord, we're spiritual as we want to be and we pray that you'll shake the backslider this morning, that you'll shake the carnal and cold men this morning, that you'll shake us all, Lord our God, for everything that can be shaken will be shaken in these last days. But we thank you that the Word of God and the people of God, our Father, will stand firm in these dark and last days of time. Hear our cry, Lord. May this Easter Sunday be a mighty risen Sunday indeed. May it be a time, Lord, when men and women will seek God and sinners will turn to Christ and that there'll be a mighty work done. We cry to thee. We long for thee. We wait in thee. O oh God, hear us and help me. Thy child this morning, I am base. I am foolish. I am not. I am despised and I am weak and no flesh glory in your presence, Lord, this morning. Let the Holy Spirit take the word. Let the Holy Ghost flow through us this morning. We bind the powers of darkness. We bind the spirits that would interrupt we bind the spirits of hell that would come against everything in this meeting this morning. Liberate us and free us, Lord, and, and, and give us help and touch, Lord. Remember Stephen, Lord, as he continues with the meetings, we pray that you'll bless him, Lord. And we pray, Father God, that mighty things will happen. Mighty things will come even in County Antrim, County Down, Armagh, Derry, and Tyrone and Fermanagh. Have mercy, Lord, O God, across Ireland. We cry to thee. We long for thee, Lord, the living God. Father, if 
you're alive and we believe everything that we read, Lord, why are we in such a state that we're in? Why, Lord, is the Holy Spirit not moving? Oh, God, it's only our fault, it's not thine. And so, Lord, this morning, cleanse us and purge us and fill us and use us and anoint us, Lord, with Holy Ghost power. Let it come, O Lord, we pray. Let the showers of blessing fall. Lord, we're singing it a lifetime. Lord, we're believing God this morning. We're believing thee today. We cry to thee, Lord, our God, our Father, against the lies and the deceit of the devil this morning and pray for freedom, liberty, power and Lord, mighty Holy Ghost fire to fall into this assembly and into this people today. Hear our cry. We thank you for all that you've done for us here. We thank you for vindicating us and blessing us, Lord, and leading us and guiding us. We to God be the glory. Our hearts are full this morning. To God be the glory. Great things and mighty things he has done, but you're not finished yet, Lord, for the best is yet to be as we give praise to God and thanks to the living Savior this morning, for we ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen. We're at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. One of the greatest and the most powerful treatment of the resurrection is in this chapter. It was written by the Apostle Paul about five years after the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was written to the Corinthians, who many of them were not long saved from ungodly, immoral, idolatrous backgrounds. And if you glance at verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15, you'll see Paul, or one of Paul's reasons for writing this letter to this chapter to the Corinthians. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you, how say some among you that there is no resurrection from the dead. They believed, uh, most of them, that the body dissolved and that was the end. Now we're at verse 1 of this chapter, chapter 15 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. And that's what we should do with the gospel. We should preach it, not some of this other stuff that's going on today. I preach which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you're saved. It's the preaching of the cross that will bring men and women uh, to salvation. We need to get back to these truths. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now what he's saying there, never forget. And let us never forget this morning that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And it was the preaching of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ that brought us to salvation. He says, keep that in memory. You know, the memory is a great thing, but it's an awful thing. I call the memory the, the rose bush in the garden because our memories can have us to laugh and our memories can have us to shout with joy and praise as we look back on things. But in the next instance, our memories can have us crying and weeping and sorrowful. Such is the memory that we have. It's like the, the rose bush with the thorns and the flowers mingled together. So he's saying here, remember, don't ever forget in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received. First of all, the gospel he preached that you have received. How that Christ, now here's the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins. And don't miss this wee phrase, according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, 
according to the scriptures, if you see advertisements up somewhere for a gospel meeting and you go and these things are not mentioned, it's not a gospel meeting. Call it what you like. The gospel is the preaching that Christ died, buried, and rose again on the third day. Verse 5, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep, that is, they have passed on in death. And after that he was seen of James, then of the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me, also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, and yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so believe. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that, ye are, that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also in vain? Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. What an awesome statement this is. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. If only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. And we know that God will bless the public reading of his own precious word. Ever since Cain slew Abel, one of the oldest, one of the greatest one of the most frequent asked questions is found in the antiquities of the book of Job in Job 14 and verse 14. If a man die, shall he live again? Repetitively, sincerely, genuinely, that question has gone up audible and inaudible down through the centuries. If a man die, Shall he live again? Mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and loved ones have asked the questions at deathbeds. The questions asked in funeral parlors and, and crematoriums and graveyards and roadsides and battlefields. Is this the end or is it not? And if this is, the, if this is not the end, where are they? And what sort of a body and form do they come if they live and where are they? And the words of Job rings again, man dieth and wasteth away and giveth up the ghost. But where is he? Where is he? Now when we come to Easter time, you'll always get those who will speculate upon the resurrection theory. Humanists and modernists and agnostics and atheists and bishops and clergies and so-called intellectual professors and uh, scientists pontificate speculate and remonstrate their ideas and, and their views. Because the, re the resurrection of Jesus Christ is such a vital and the vital doctrine of the church of Jesus Christ has always been contended and has always been hammered by the ungodly and the modernists and the humanists and the scientists. And you could go on and on and you've just, I just heard some of them lately on, on the news. It was always spoken against. Whenever our Lord Jesus Christ raised Jairus' daughter, they laughed him to scorn. Whenever Lazarus was raised from the dead by the Lord Jesus, immediately they tried to kill him. Whenever Paul came preaching the resurrection of Christ, they said, what's this babbler going to say? Whenever the early disciples in the first sermon in Acts preached this word, because they preached the resurrection of the dead, they arrested them and put them into prison. It's always hated by the enemy. 
One of the favorite well-known theories, well-worn theories rehearsed is that of annihilation. Sometimes it's called abolishment, eradication, or dissolution. That's why cremation is so popular today. The fear of God is moving away from the people and cremation has got very popular today. And this latter generation we have seen and heard more of it. woman said, take my ashes in an egg cup and scatter them in lower lock iron and scatter them out over the scenic view. That's all right. But there's a day of accountability coming. The Lord that brought us from dust will bring us from ashes. And so there's the dissolution period, this uh, eradication, that uh, that's it and that's the end and it's all over. And then there's the reincarnation theory, and it's still afloat, although not as much of it you hear these days. A man die, he, he'll live again, he'll come back like a cow or a jackass or something like that. And, uh, and uh, he, uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy, I don't know if you ever watched Laurel and Hardy. Sometimes I would put on Laurel and Hardy if they tried to, and it gets relaxed a wee bit, well, having this long time. But I, I used to watch a wee bit of Laurel and Hardy and, and Laurel died, you remember, and, and, and Hardy died, and Laurel got all sad, and he's walking down the road one day, and he's crying uh, because he's lost uh, Hardy, and, and, and he looks up, and he hears the voice, and he looks up, but he's looking in the wrong place. There's a donkey across the gate, and he's back as a donkey. But I'm glad that I've no brains. How anybody could believe something like that? Well, that's a theory that has gone out over the, over, over, o- over the years. And so it comes, it comes and comes. But when it comes to the Easter story, when it comes to this day, then we are here gathered this morning. The death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. These theories don't work so well. You mark what I'm saying this morning. Because there's far, far too much credible evidence to substantiate it. They can't, they have to find other ways of discrediting the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Luke in his preface to Acts says this, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible truths, being seen of them 40 days. Ten times in 40 days between the crucifixion and the resurrection, Uh, Between the resurrection and the ascension, the Lord Jesus Christ showed himself to different people, different places, different times. 500 people all at the one time. Five times on resurrection day, the first day, five times he showed himself on that day. This is to show us, my friend, the facts of the resurrection. They touched him, they saw him, They heard him, they talked with him, they walked with him, they ate with him, and they prayed with him. Robert Anderson, that mighty theologian, who was the founder of Scotland Yard, said, it's the most tested and concluded fact in history. It's an irrebuttable truth that the Lord Jesus Christ literally, physically, rose again from the dead. But then, when they can't challenge that, what they do is they challenge his death. Oh, there's no doubt he's alive, they say, but he, he, he is alive, but he never died. They never published anything about his post-mortem. Nobody saw him living. You see, they have to see things. No faith comes into this when these scientists and these boys, nobody ever witnessed. Nobody saw him rising from the dead. So therefore, because we haven't seen it, we don't, we don't believe it. They say as far as Mary was concerned, when she was up early in the morning and she came to the tomb that morning, she was beside herself. She was weeping. She was afraid of the soldiers. She hallucinated. She was that worked up. She never saw him at all. And Peter hallucinated. And Paul hallucinated on the Damascus Road. And the 500 all at the one time, all hallucinated. They never saw him at all. That's the hallucination theory. Then there's the confiscation series. The disciples stole him away. They wiped his face and cleaned him up a bit and let him loose. And, and uh, he, 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 he's gone. Then there's the resuscitation period when they took him down to the cross and they put him in. Uh, he hadn't died at all. They took him down to the cross and they put him into the tomb. And when they put him in the cool air in the tomb, revived him again and he got up and away. Boys, they'll believe anything but believe the truth itself. 
And then there's a decomposition period. He went into the dust, and in three days, his whole body went back into the dust. And yet all the scientists from DNA came in, scientists from all over the world, some of them gathered at Gordon's tomb, where he was supposed to be buried. And with all their their evidence that they have, here's what they they said, and, 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 and I've wrote it down. They concluded that chemical analysis has proved that no human body ever decayed in the tomb. So we don't need those men to tell us that. All we need is the Word of God, and all we need is the Scriptures that we were singing this morning, and all we need is what I'm going to talk to you and, and speak to you about this morning. All this is theory. All this is speculation, hypothesis, conjecture, fabrication. Men and devils trying to discount and discredit and annul the greatest doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the resurrection. Now, there's three things that we are going to use this morning to nail these lies, two of them very briefly, and then one we're going to close with. The first one is this, and I thank God for the Word of God this morning, and I thank God we can build our case on Scripture without any problem. The first one is this, there's the prophecy of His resurrection. The prophecy of His resurrection. Do you remember on the first resurrection morning on the road to Emmaus, he met the two walking down, sad and weary and worn and defeated. And as he walked, he expounded them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. But then it says this. He expounded them from Moses, from the prophets, from the Psalms. And in case we'd miss it, and all the scriptures... He expounded about himself. Graphically, he covered his birth, his death, his resurrection in picture, in symbol, in parallel, in shadow, and in type, according to the scriptures we read in 1 Corinthians 15, according to the scriptures, and that's what we go by today. It's proved beyond doubt. In the Old Testament scriptures, through the Psalms, through the prophets, his death, burial, resurrection, there's plenty of evidence there if you want to go through it. Proof number one. Go back as far as Job. Job is supposed to be the oldest book in the Bible. It comes in about Genesis 11. It comes in before the sacrifices. It comes in before Abraham. And here's what Job could say. And I'd rather believe Job than some of these boys I'm hearing on the, on, the, on, on the radio. Here's what Job says. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he stand upon the earth, and he did stand upon the earth, and he will stand upon the earth again. By imagine that, that, that he'll stand upon the earth. He did stand upon the earth. He will stand upon the earth. And although worms, listen, although worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. That would do me all right, you know. I believe in the infallible word of the living God. And that's Job. Then there's Abram in Genesis chapter 22. I'm throwing out a couple of these for you because we need to get our mind thinking on these things. In Genesis chapter 22, he commanded, God commanded Abram to take Isaac. Take him up onto the mountain to the place Moriah and sacrifice, and there's the sacrifice. And we read the story that they gathered all together and they went up the mountain. And, and you'll read there that they came to the place called Moriah the third day. Third day speaks of resurrection. And uh, Abram said to his servants, he says, you abide here with the ass. And we, me, he and, the, and, and Isaac, we will go yonder and worship, but we will come again. We will come again. And by faith he knew. And although Isaac didn't die on the altar, they came again on the third day. That's a type and picture of resurrection. Leviticus 24. Leviticus 24 speaks of the first fruits of the harvest. Whenever the first fruits of the harvest was won, they were brought along to the priest and the priest waved it. Before God, it's called the way of offering, uh, the first fruit. It speaks of tithing or first fruits, and it speaks of time. But what it says on the third day, 
What a lovely parallel. What a picture. The first fruits of the resurrection. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. And there's more to follow. We're all going to follow someday. So you have it in the word of God so plainly spoken. What about Jonah? Jesus said about Jonah, he was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So shall the, shall in the sea, in the fish, so shall the son of man be in the heart of the earth. Here's another one, Psalm 16. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou shalt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. Thou shalt not see corruption. He rose the third day. Lazarus was four days and Lazarus corrupted. But our Lord Jesus did not see corruption. He's talking to these ones down the road to Emmaus on resurrection morning. He's getting this fact and he's getting this truth over. We need to get the facts and we need to get the truth over. This all happened on resurrection morning. Five times he appeared in the one day to, 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 to uh, get his cause through and over to the people. And all the scriptures, all we have to do is to go back to the scriptures. And we have them all here. And that's the prophecy in the Old Testament and in the New Testament too, which we'll mention in a minute. Secondly, there's the proof of the resurrection. Now, if I were, if, if any man was to challenge the proof of the resurrection, they'll have to challenge the angels. They'll have to challenge the Lord Jesus and what he said, that in three days he would raise his body. They'll have to challenge, challenge Peter and Paul and the 500 and Mary. They'll have to challenge everyone that he appeared for. Listen to what Jesus himself said to get the word right. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. No man taketh my life from me. No man taketh it from me. I lay it down and I have power to take it again. Didn't he say I am he that liveth and was dead and alive forevermore? Is this not me, Thomas, he says? Put your hand and your finger into the hands and into the side. What proof, what evidence that Jesus Christ is alive. What more do you want? That's not what I'm hitting this morning. The prophecy of it, the proof of it, the purpose of it. What is the use of all this? What is the benefit and the value of the risen Christ? For we have heard really nothing yet that would be any good to us. Oh, yes, we can have plenty of history and plenty of people talking, but what, 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 what does it mean to millions this morning? What does it mean to me preaching on this pulpit this morning? What does it mean to you, believer, this morning? What does it mean to you? Well, I want to say to you this morning, it means everything. Because if it was only his birth and his life and his death, we would be damned. I'm not here just this morning because he lived and I'm not here this morning just because he died. I'm here because he rose on the third day again. So the first thing that we have, the purpose of the resurrection, the first thing is this salvation. We read that in 1 Corinthians. There's no salvation without it. If Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, yet you're in your sins. All before us that have died in Christ have perished. If only we have hope in Christ, life and death were of all men most miserable. Praise God this morning, I'm not miserable. And praise God this morning, I'm not perishing. And praise God this morning, I'm not in my sins. And praise God this morning, I haven't been preaching for 40 years in vain. Hallelujah! I only need one verse of Scripture to, to, to nail that down, and we use it every time. I use it every time I, real, I, I lead a soul to the Lord. Romans 9 and verse 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in, thy, in, in thine heart, what? Believe what in your heart? That he was born a virgin? No. That he wrought miracles and spoke parables? No. 
Did he live the holy life? No. That he died? No. Thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I had a phone call during the week from a girl, a lady. She told me her age. I didn't ask her. She's 34. I'll not mention her name. She may be listening. I don't want to embarrass her. Uh, she contacted me during the week and she said, I've been listening to the messages on YouTube and out from the lifeboat. And she says, I want to say this to you. If God can save me, he could save anybody. I says, why is that? And she didn't tell me why. And I'm just a miracle, she says, for I hated God and I hated preaching and I hated everybody for years. But she says, I come under fear and conviction. And I used to walk through the streets of Belfast, she says, and hear the open air preachers. And boy, she says, I, I just couldn't take any more of it. And I went over to them one day and told them, and they led me to the Lord. She says, I'm really, really changed. I tell you, if Christ would have never raised, I'd have never got that phone call. The purpose is salvation, number one. Secondly, the purpose of his rising is justification. Romans 4 and 25, who, delivered, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified through by faith, justified by the blood, justified by the resurrection. Rising, he justified me. And completely set me and you free the moment that we came and repented of our sins and called unto the living Lord. Our sins were cast into the sea of God's forgetfulness, never to be remembered again no more, just as if we never sinned. You believe that this morning? Just as if you'd know all your sins and iniquities on him were laid. Rising, he justified us freely forever. Forever. Oh, I tell you, there shouldn't be a man or woman silent in this church this morning if you believe in, in, in justification. Every sin, every thought, every word, every evil deed. And that wee lassie told me in Belfast, if only you would know, oh, she says, if only you would know the things that I was involved. And every last one of them under the blood the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. He's the justifier of him that believeth. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. And if you hear the accuser roaring this morning against past sins years ago or days ago, remember this, that they're under the blood this morning. You should rise up in victory and praise the Lord this morning. I hear the accuser roar of things that I have done. I know them all and 10,000 more. Jehovah findeth none. What a Savior. What a risen, exalted Savior he is this morning. So purpose number one is salvation. Without it, the rising again of our Lord Jesus, we could not be saved. Second is, is justification. Now listen to this. The third one is purification. It's because he lives within me. Paul could say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit came in to dwell the day I called on him down there in Fermanagh. He came in to dwell in my heart and in my soul. And he's the Holy Spirit. And if you're sinning and thinking about as a Christian, let me tell you, you're on very dangerous ground. He's the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit comes into our life to purify us, to cleanse us, to sanctify us, to give us victory as we go down the road of life. Romans 1 and 4, he, he was raised in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Be holy for I am holy. 
So there's victory. There's victory over sin. Victory over condemnation. Victory over accusation. Victory over frustration. There's victory in Jesus this morning. And if you're not on the victory side this morning, you need to get into it. We'll never be in a place where we cannot sin, but we can get victory over sin. You can get victory over the pornography, young man. You can get victory over the lust and the greed. You can get a new life. You can let the Holy Ghost live in through you that you'll have a hunger and a desire that you can't wait for the prayer meeting, wait for the evening meeting, can't wait to get alone with the people of God, the Holy Ghost living within you. Oh, what a message, the message of the resurrection is. Justified, saved and purified. But here's another one. Because he rose, he intercedes for us every day. Yes, the Bible tells me it is Christ that died, yea, that is risen again, who is at the right hand of the God, who also maketh intercession for us. You know, there's no, no times in heaven, but 24 hours a day, the Lord Jesus Christ is interceding for you, believer, at the throne. We have an interceding high priest this morning because he's alive and he lives forevermore. And he's bringing our claims before God every day. Where would we be? We can't see what answers to his prayers. We can't, we can't see hardly the answer to our own prayers at times. But, but, but he knows. Dear knows what he saved you from last week. Dear knows when he saw the pitfalls that you were heading for in your life and in your marriage and in your family that he cried before the Father and interceded, interceded. So if he wasn't alive, I would have no interceder. I'll tell you something else. Restoration. Salvation, justification, purification, intercession, restoration. John 21. Peter had already saw the living Christ. Can you believe that? And he says to Peter, you go to Dembein and go up to Galilee and I'll meet you there. What did Peter do? He went back to the fishing. Now there's times and there's been times in your life when you, a time in your life when you got saved and there's been times in your life when you have walked with the Lord and you've heard him talking and you've enjoyed him and you've prayed. But you've gone back this morning. So don't be too hard on Peter. He went away back to the fishing and took seven with him. He'll never backslide alone. All the Lord told him to do was to wait and I'll be there. But when he come, he found them back at the old trade again. Are you back at the old trade? You told people you were delivered from? You told people you'd got freedom from? Not a bit of you. You're back at it this morning, helter-skelter. Well, if ever was a day in God's calendar when you should rise up, it's this day. And he took them with him and he fished the fish all night and they caught nothing. Oh, you're laboring this morning, my dear backslidden friend. You're laboring this morning and you're heading the storms and you're going on hour after hour after hour and you see nothing happening. You're putting your money with, into bags with holes in it, it says in the prophets. And you're battling and you're fighting against God in so many different ways. And you're trying to make excuses and make this and that and all you have to do is lie at his feet and confess your sins and be a man. And Peter went away to fish and he took them with him and all night they fished and they caught nothing. In the morning Jesus stood on the shore. Oh, blessed risen Lord. And they caught no fish. But he did. 
Remember he told them what to do to let the net down on the other side and remember all the whole memory, the memory again began to work it all. came back to Peter. It happened before. Remember the last time he fell at his feet he says, I'm a sinful man, O God. I tell you, the Lord has ways of bringing things to your mind. Isn't it amazing the way the Lord can bring something to your mind if you just hear somebody talking or you hear a wee sermon or you're singing a wee hymn and you see something? Jags your mind. That's when the memory's a dangerous thing. Oh, it is the Lord that says, oh, it was him, all right. And when they landed on the shore, and here's the grace and the mercy for the backslider this morning, when they, when, when they landed on the shore, he had the breakfast read. Where'd he get the fish from? It wasn't their fish anyway. They immediately realized who he was. They immediately realized this is the great creator and he fed them before he said anything to them. Oh, the mercy and the grace and the long-suffering of my risen Savior this morning. And then very gently he spoke to Peter, remember? Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my lamb. Lovest thou me more than these? Do you, do, you, do you love me, Peter, more than these fish? You struggled and fished all night. You never caught a thing. And I've given you a boat full of fish. And many. Do, do you love me more than these? I take them. Do you love me more than Do you love me more than these this morning? Hmm? Oh, yes, there's restoration. What more could he do? And what more can I say this morning in defense of the resurrection of my Savior in this critical hour when they're denying the physical, literal, bodily resurrection of Jesus this morning? Salvation. Justification. Purification. Intercession. Restoration. Now here, in two minutes, I'm going to close. You're opened at 1 Corinthians 15. Now look at verse 51. And if you haven't your Bible open, I'll give you time, for I'll be closing in five minutes less. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be shamed. We shall be changed. Now I want you to notice here the transformation. We shall be changed. Corruptible will put on incorruption. Now let me leave you with this as you go home this morning. That's victory over the flesh. This old flesh and this old body and this old sinful, sick body that gives us so much trouble day by day, year by year, month by month, out and out. We're going to be changed like onto his glorious body. Because he lives, he's going to, he's alive, there's going to be transformation. Victory over the flesh. See verse 52 again in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. The trumpet shall sound and they shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this incorruption must put on and this mortal put on immortality. We have not only transformation, we have evacuation out of the world. 
Now I want to say to you this morning that every area of the devil, devil's defeated, the world and the flesh and the devil, the flesh, transformation, the world, we're going to be taken out of it in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. He's going to lift us out some of these days. And then there's the emancipation, there's victory over the devil in verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, listen. Because he's alive this morning, we have victory over the flesh. Because he's alive this morning, there's victory over the world. And because he's alive this morning, there's victory over death, sin, and hell, and the grave. Hallelujah! How do I, would I, I pen this, I didn't pen it, but I got it down somewhere, I don't know who wrote it. How do I know that Christ is risen? What proof have I to give? He rescued me from sin and death and hell, <clears throat> and I began to live. Here's the words of Wesley. He lives again, our glorious King. Where, O death, is now thy sting? Once he died, our souls to save. Where is thy victory? O thy grave. Hallelujah. Victory over the devil. Death, hell, and everything. Hallelujah. And we shall be with him for all eternity. Let me close with this illustration. A Norwegian ship docked in a port in England some many years ago. Now there for a number of days, and one of the days was Good Friday, and one of the sailors said to the captain, Jesus was supposed to die on Good Friday. We'll hang, we'll, we'll, we'll put up the flag at half mass. And the captain, who was a believer, says, we'll do nothing of the sort. He says, we'll pull it up to the height to the top. We'll hoist it high. You hoist your flag high. Don't let it droop away down. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. You hold the flag high. There's a flag flying high from the castle of my heart. And the king is in residence there. Amen. Hold the flag high this morning. He's alive. He is able. He has saved us. He justifies us. He's going to rescue us some of these days. He's everything that we need this morning. The risen, exalted, glorified Savior. May God bless this message to your heart this morning.